Cole to Nolan, what a play. Now can he throw him out? Oh my goodness, what a play that was. That's all Nolan. Hello and welcome to Matanzerus, a baseball podcast. I'm Max Tanzer, joined alongside Ryan Medeiros, and we got our first official off-season baseball podcast here. I know last week we talked a couple of off-season topics, but we still had some games to break down. This one is full off-season right here. We got awards to break down, Alex Cora news as well. Ryan, let's start with that. Your Boston Red Sox bringing back Alex Cora to manage on a two-year deal after the sign-stealing scandal with the Houston Astros in 2017 in which Cora was the bench coach for the Strohs. What are your initial thoughts on this? I know some people love it, some people don't. Where are you sitting? I'm kind of sitting in the middle a little bit here, Max. I mean, Alex Cora basically got brought back for the most part. I think a big part of it was the familiarity with his experience in the organization. I think if you ask Kyle Bloom personally, I think he would have wanted to bring in Sam Fold. Ultimately, let me rephrase that a little bit. I think Kyle Bloom ultimately made the decision, but I think he was a little bit more comfortable with Sam Fold just because he knew him a little bit better from his time in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. But I think ultimately the best fit for the Red Sox was Alex Cora because of that familiarity. As a fan, uh, I I know I don't speak for all Red Sox fans. I kind of think a little bit differently in terms of, you know, my thoughts and and I think I would have liked to have seen a change in the organization I think Sam Fold would have been a nice fit I think Cora brings a little bit of baggage with him like we said on the last show about AJ Hinch because of that Astros you know scandal so I think it would have been nice to see a little bit of change of face with Fold but I am not overly upset that they brought back Cora just because obviously he won a World Series with them in 2018 so you can't be too upset about that he is a very good manager No doubt, and I think actually the Hinch signing with the Tigers just about a week ago, like we talked about, made it a little bit easier for Bloom to make this move, and I like it too just because in the case of Cora, as you said, there's some familiarity, but also the players on the team have vocally come out and said that they wanted him too, or they like him a lot too, and they're very comfortable with him, and there is some baggage, and I I don't think it will play too much of a role, and to be honest with you, the way I'm looking at this is, again, I'm not trying to say what Cora and Hinch did is okay, but... They did serve their time. They had their suspension. If you don't agree with the suspension, you know, don't blame the Red Sox or the Tigers. Blame Major League Baseball. I think the suspension was fine and a good length. And honestly, I think we can forgive these managers for now. And then if they make any mistakes again, do any shifty things, then you can start talking about maybe a ban or something like that. But I'm okay with it right now. I don't think it's the end of the world. And I think Cora is a big fit. And for Bloom, you know, maybe that was their best option. You know, I know you talked about Sam Fold. It would have been really cool to see him uh, get an opportunity. And I'm confident he'll get an opportunity with some other ball club at some point in the future. I already know he's working in the front office. Uh, but, you know, Cora is a guy that the players like, the fan base like, so it makes sense and I'm okay with it. Now let's move to some of the awards here. We had two of the major awards announced this week. We had the Gold Glove Awards and the Silver Sluggers. And if you guys haven't checked out our social media pages, go to Matanzas on Instagram and Twitter, give us a follow, and you'll be able to see what our predictions were before the awards were posted here. Now we tied 
in both cases. Let's start with the Gold Glove Awards, Ryan. Let's start out with the catchers. So in the American League, we had Yasmani Grandal, James McCann, Roberto Perez. I think we can both agree Perez ran away with this one. Absolutely dominant. Or threw out 71% of potential base stealers this season. No pass balls, no errors. One of the more elite framers in the game as well. This was an easy one for me. Yeah, absolutely, Max. You pretty much covered it all right there, so I don't have to add too much at all to that. Perez was by far and away the number one catcher in the American League. Once I saw the 71.4% caught stealing and leading the league in caught steals, uh, it really wasn't a tough decision for me. Yeah, and the National League catchers, we disagreed. I went with Contreras. You went with Barnhart. Walk me through your decision to pick Barnhart in this case. Yeah, for Barnhart and Contreras, it really came down to, uh, for me, the tiebreaker was the fielding percentage for Barnhart. He didn't make any errors all year. I know for you it was the pass balls. For Contreras, he had less. Barnhart had two, I believe. And for Barnhart also, it was the nine defensive runs saved, which led all catchers there. That ultimately pushes him to the top, in my opinion. No doubt, and I was actually looking at this after the awards were announced at defensive run save, something I didn't pay too much attention to going into my decision-making here, and the fact that Contreras had won, you know, that's a huge difference right there. I think he ran away with that. If I were to redo this again, I would obviously choose Barnhart in this case. All right, let's move on to first base now, Ryan. In the American League, we had Yuli Gurriel, Matt Olson, and Evan White. This one, I initially went with Matt Olson, but again, after taking a look at the defensive run saves and some other metrics, I wanted to change my pick, but I submitted it. So I'll stick with Olson in this case, but I liked White over Olson, who would eventually win it because he led first baseman in defensive run saves with seven. 2.2 UZR, which was higher than both of the other candidates, and a 0.4 defensive war, according to Baseball Reference, which was also higher than the two other finalists in that case. Uh, I felt bad not going with White, especially after seeing him winning because he is a Mariner and he is my boy. I was disappointed. I know you went with Gurriel. Walk me through that decision. Yeah, Max, and I think if we had gone back through and looked at the defensive runs saved beforehand, I know we spoke about this a little bit beforehand, or uh, after we, we submitted our picks, uh, I, I had a little bit of trouble finding the defensive runs saved list, so I kind of ended up overlooking it in my, cho- in my choices for these awards, but that was a major category in the overall choices for who won these awards, because uh, if anyone doesn't know, uh, there wasn't any actual human factor in the choices for these awards. It was all done by computers and by a like a system that combined some different factors. And defensive runs saved was one of those key factors. So I think if I was going to predict again beforehand, I probably would have chosen White because he led all first basemen in defensive runs saved. However, I chose Gurriel because I looked at he led all first basemen in the American League in six total zone runs and also in range factor also. I know that's not a great category to analyze first baseman by, but it kind of just came down to nitpicking a little bit in the end because all of these guys were just so close at first base. Yeah, Sabre, who was in charge of everything, they said the three metrics that they chose the most to rate it heavily on was defensive runs saved, as you mentioned, ultimate zone rating, uh, and then runs effectively defended based on stat zone rating. Uh, so those were the three big ones, and they came up with the index, and I actually have the numbers right here. I mean, we talked about the catchers before uh, with Roberto Perez. He ran away with that one, had a 5.1 compared to Grandal's 2.9. Um, but then if you go to first baseman, I'll give you the credit on this one. It went White, Gurriel, and Olsen. White with 4.3, Gurriel 3.1, Olsen 2.5. For anyone curious, it was Abreu and Condelario who were at 2.0 and 1.2, fourth and fifth respectively. So that's interesting just looking at the 
pure numbers that they were looking at in this case. As you mentioned, there was no human element, no voting. Um, now let's move over to the National League first base. This was an interesting one right here because it didn't seem like there was one clear runaway guy. We both chose Paul Goldschmidt, even though Anthony Rizzo was the winner here. And again, I just went with Goldschmidt, one, because he led an ounce above average, or I think he was tied actually with Brandon Belt out of the three finalists. One error and 411 total chances. A defensive run saved was decent as well, but Rizzo was ultimately the winner. Yeah, for me, this could have gone either way between Goldschmidt or Rizzo, and outs above average kind of served as the tiebreaker for me. Uh, again, it was kind of a flip of a coin. Rizzo is definitely a deserving winner at the first base position. No doubt. Moving on to second base here in the American League, we had four uh, finalists in this one. Cesar Hernandez, Nicky Lopez, Danny Mendek, and Jonathan Scope. Both of us chose Nicky Lopez, and I think for us the big key was probably the outs above average with six, the closest second with Cesar Hernandez with four. Jonathan Scope was also a worthy one uh, as well. It ended up being Cesar Hernandez here, which I think surprised both you and I. Looking at the SDI from Sabre here, Cesar Hernandez ran away with this one. 5.6 compared to Mendek in second at 2.6, Scope at 2.2, and Lopez at 2.2, which is really interesting to see, and it really surprised me. But Cesar Hernandez, I guess, one of the best defensive second basemen in Major League Baseball, according to this, and you got to trust them in this aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of comes down to, as a voter, or if you're making these choices yourself, what you know categories do you value the most in your choices? And I think for me, it a lot of it was the total or the uh, outs above average. Lopez, by far, or by two led an outs above average with six over Cesar's four, as you mentioned earlier. He also had five runs prevented, which also led all the second basemen. So that was kind of my choice there. I actually thought Scope was pretty close because he actually rated pretty high in total zone runs himself. So I, I kind of was leaning to him a little bit, but overall I had to go with Lopez due to the outs above average. Second base National League, we have three. Adam Frazier, Nico Horner, and Colton Wong. It would be Colton Wong who won. Both of us chose Adam Frazier. And again, I think we were weighing the outs above average pretty significantly on this one. Frazier led the three with six versus Wong having two. You got to imagine defensive run saved again, played a major role in this one. And again, we talked about in the last show, Colton Wong has been one of the most tremendous defensive second basemen of the last four or five years or so so I'm not shocked with this one I'm not angry about this one however I was a bit surprised just because I was going heavily into Frazier on this one yeah I also was heavily going for Frazier on this one with his six outs above average and also led with a 994 fielding percentage so uh that kind of was my rationale there I thought um you know Wong was also a very good choice so nothing to get too upset about there and it depends again on what do you value most or what metric do you value most when evaluating players and making your choices. Next, we got J.P. Crawford, Carlos Correa, and Nico Goodrum for the shortstop nominees. We both chose J.P. Crawford, another Seattle Mariner, and he was the winner uh, with four outs above averages, uh, was second in that case for the, for the finalists, right behind Nico Goodrum, who had five. But again, Goodrum only 117 total chances compared to both Correa and Crawford, who had over 200. And again, J.P. Crawford uh, ran away with this one too. 5.2 SDI compared to Correa's 3.3. Goodrum was at 3.2, and then Lindor was at 3.1. After that, it really falls off, as then you got Simeon, Mondesi, and Simmons, who are both a smidge above one in that case. I was so happy to see J.P. Crawford win this award. 
He was tremendous this year. A lot of credit to Perry Hill, who he's worked a ton with. And he's a guy I think definitely will be a top of the Gold Glove winners at shortstop the next few years to come. Again, there's so much competition there, but I definitely think he'll be in the conversation for years to come. Yeah, no doubt. And also for categories that Crawford was leading in that led to me choosing him was the seven total zone runs and 4.32 range factor per nine, both leading in those categories amongst the other nominees. And again, it's a great story for Crawford also, who is a highly touted prospect with the Phillies. Hasn't ever really been able to figure it out with the bat, but his defense is going to keep him as a high-level player for many years to come, we should hope. All right, let's now move to National League shortstop. Javier Baez, Miguel Rojas, and Dansby Swanson. Javier Baez would become the winner in this one. We both went with him, eight outs above average. He did have eight errors, but the Sabre did favor him in this case. Walk me through why you chose Baez. Yeah, I think uh, actually Fernando Tatis Jr. could have had a good case because he led an ounce above average with seven to Baez's four. And he also had a 984 fielding percentage, which was surprising to me because he seems like a guy that makes a lot of flashy plays with a bunch of errors also. So I think Tatis actually could have been the winner for me, but unlike what I did with Granky, I decided to stick with the finalists here. And Baez led amongst finalists with four outs above average and seven total zone runs. So that was ultimately what led to my choice there. Yeah, I thought Tatis at first too. And again, Sabre had him ranked at... 13th, negative 0.6, which is just shocking, especially since, you know, the big story this year for Tatis was that he was making less errors uh, and his throws were better and so forth. And the outs of average was able to speak for that being so high. But it is what it is. Javier Baez winning the gold glove in this case. Third base now going, let's stick with the American League here in this one. Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, Yoan Mancata, and Gio Urshela. Falefa would win this one, and we both picked him. I know you were in between him and Mancata. Uh, Falefa, really good year, really underlooked year. I was so happy to see him win this one, especially his story. Just a guy who's almost played everywhere on the diamond, finds a home at third base for the Rangers, uh, five, or four outs above average. He did have five errors, but that was compared to Moncada, who had six. Urshela did only have one. If you looked at how Sabre ranked it, it did go Kiner, Falefa, Urshela, then Moncada, but I think all three were worthy. Very happy to see Falefa win this one. Yeah, for this one, it kind of depended on what categories did you want to look at. Again, I was looking on baseball reference for a lot of these choices and I was looking at total zone runs range factor and fielding percentage just because those were the main categories that were highlighted on the website uh, but when I went to look over at defensive war Kiner Falefa blew out Mankata with his 1.3 defensive war uh, or wins above replacement and uh, that kind of just pushed him way over the top for me no doubt. Moving over to third base, this was an easy one. One of the easier ones, I think, for both of us. You had Anderson, Arenado, and Machado, who are all deserving. But Nolan Arenado is Nolan Arenado at, over there at third base. He won the Platinum Glove Award over in the National League. Seven outs above average. Uh, only three errors compared to the other two who had nine, which was Anderson. And then Machado did have two uh, defensive run saves atop, of course. He was absolutely fantastic, as per usual. Not surprised by this one. Yeah, me neither. I mean, we don't have to get too in-depth about this because not only was Arenado very de deserving of a gold glove, he was probably the most deserving candidate for the platinum glove, which he ended up winning. All righty, left field for the American League now. This is where we disagreed here. Uh, you won this one. You got Alex Gordon. I chose Kyle Tucker. It was eventually Alex Gordon who would win. It would also win the Platinum Glove Award. We'll talk about that just in a moment here. Uh, for me, I chose Tucker, and this was this was close. I chose Tucker because the outs above average at three, which was higher than the other two, and Gurriel and Gordon, who had negative two, 
Tucker also had five defensive runs saved, which was better than Gordon, and 0.2 baseball reference defensive war as well. Now, I know Gordon was favored in the UZR, but I, I'm still fine with my pick in Tucker in this case. I think it came down to just that Tucker was a little bit more athletic as Gordon just retired, but Gordon is such a tremendous defender out there with the awareness he has. He's been doing it for years. I think eight gold glove. You got the right pick in this one, Ryan, with Alex Gordon. What was your mindset going into this one? Yeah, again, the, t- the stat that Gordon just blew out Tucker in was total zone runs. Gordon had 10, and Tucker wasn't even in the top five. I'm not sure we ended up stacking up on the list. But that in Gordon's 1,000 fielding percentage, no errors for Gordon on the season, that pushed him over the top for me, along with his four assists also. While Tucker may have had a better rating and outs above average just because of his speed and ability to get to some balls that Gordon wasn't able to, I think Gordon just fundamentally does so many things well and just on the field is a guy that's just been so reliable in left field. Now, the fact that Gordon won the Platinum Glove is a little bit shaky just because of, you know, he doesn't rate perfectly in a lot of those categories we mentioned, such as outs above average. So I think there was probably some more deserving candidates there, but I think it's just overall a great story. In his retirement year, he wins a Gold Glove and gets to go out on a high note. No doubt, no doubt. I think I think fan voting definitely played a little bit of a role. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but uh, it is his last year, and he deserved it. He's a tremendous defender, uh, one of the best defensive outfielders of our generation in the last 10 years or so, or at least. Uh, what a way to go out. Let's move over to center field here. This one was super tight, really close, especially when you take a look at Sabres' numbers here. You had Robert, Buxton, and Loriano as the three finalists. Robert would win. His SDA was 5.6, Buxton 5.5, Loriano 5.0. With Robert, I went because he dominated an outs above average with seven, uh, made tremendous plays too, uh, just watching him every single night. Um, I was happy with this pick, but if Buxton was able to win it too, I would not be surprised. And even Loriano too, everyone was really qualified. And it's a shame that they were locked into the center field position because you could almost argue if they were in left field or right field, maybe they would have had a better chance, arguably. Yeah, no doubt about that. And it just goes to show that there's so many good center fielders in the American League. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier and Jackie Bradley Jr., two of the best defensive outfielders in all of baseball, weren't even finalists on this list. And I think it goes to show you just how excellent the three guys that were finalists were this season. Robert, again, with seven outs above average and six runs prevented this season. Uh, He blew out the other two candidates in those categories. He wasn't at the tops, I know Loriano led in some categories and Buxton led in a few categories as well. But I think Robert was in the top five at eight, in, in really every single defensive category that you could pull up. And combining that with his elite status in outs above average and runs prevented pushed him to the top spot for me. All right, let's do right field here in the American League. Then we'll shift over to do the final three outfielders in the National League, then head over to pitchers. For right fielders in the American League, the finalists were Clint Frazier, which is quite a story. He's made major strides. Joey Gallo and Anthony Santander. For me, and I am assuming the same case for you, Joey Gallo ran away with this one, three outs above average. Uh, Again, for a guy of his size and came up as a first baseman, the fact that he's been able to put up such tremendous metrics, numbers, and really pass the eye test out there is so impressive. Uh, And he dominated this one as well, 7.1 SDI for Sabre. Then Frazier was at 3.1, Santander at 2.8. You chose Gallo too. Tell me why. Yeah, I got to go back to what you were saying just about being so impressive, how well Gallo performed in right field this season. And you may forget also that this was Gallo's really his 
first year settling in at one position in right field and getting a lot of experience in right field. So his performance out there makes it even more you know, special how well he did in his first full season in right field. He had 12 total zone runs, way more than any other outfielder in right field in the American League. And his 1,000 fielding percentage also I felt like was worth noting uh, in right field. Let's take a look now at the National League outfielders. For left field starting off, we had Shogo Akiyama in his first year in the States playing for the Cincinnati Reds, Tyler O'Neill, and then David Peralta. We both we both went with Mr. O'Neill in this case, and he was the winner, four outs above average. Again, ran away with this one. SDI had him at 7.0. Peralta and Akiyama were at 2.3 and 1.8, respectively. Tremendous year for him for a guy who came up really just being known as a bat-first guy. Uh, being able to put up those defensive numbers is huge and part of arguably one of the best defensive teams in Major League Baseball in the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you look at O'Neill's numbers with four outs above average, 10 total zone runs, and the 1,000 fielding percentage again. Combine all those, and he just by far and away was the best left fielder in the National League. Center fielders now, Ronald Acuna Jr., Cody Bellinger, Trent Grisham. You went with Bellinger. I went with Grisham. Why did you go with Bellinger over Grisham? This one was just so close for me. I ended up going with Bellinger just because he had seven outs above average in the 2.79 range factor per nine innings in center field. Those were kind of tiebreakers for me. Again, this was a little bit of a flip of a coin. I think Grisham ended up being the right choice when I looked at the numbers after he got the award, but it could have. It was. It was very, very close. I know you ended up choosing Grisham, and I'm sure you can delve into a little bit of why he was your choice. No doubt. And off the bat here, I saw Cody Bellinger's name, and he was at the top of my mind. And then I took a look at Grisham's numbers, and they were very impressive. While Bellinger did rank higher in terms of center fielders and outs above average with seven compared to Grisham's six, Grisham still ranked higher in defensive runs saved with seven, UZR in 7.5, and defensive war, according to baseball reference, at 0.9. Again, like you said, so, so close, and it's a shame Cody Bellinger was not able to garner a gold glove award this year because both of them were deserving but Grisham a fantastic year and I mean let's flash back to the wild card game back in 2019 makes that error you know a situation where that could have highlighted his career and I think he's made up for it and proved everyone wrong here by winning a gold glove and again like I said about J.P. Crawford wouldn't be surprised if he's up there in the finalists for years to come here as we enter 2021 and counting all right moving to right field now again I think this was a fairly easy one as well for both of us Mookie Betts Charlie Blackman and Jason Hayward Mookie Betts is who we both went with again Mookie I mean it was he dominated in the postseason defensively and this was voted on I believe before the postseason so that didn't even play a role but six of outs above average again one of the best defensive outfielders in Major League Baseball uh, I think this was an easy pick for sure yeah, no doubt. Easy pick here. 13 total zone runs, six outs above average. He beat out Gallo in the American League with one extra total zone run. And, and it would have been really close if this was in the American League. I think Betts still would have came out on top, but Betts was in the National League and really there was nobody close. All right, let's move over to the rubber, the pitchers now. In the American League, the finalists were Griffin Canning, Kenta Maeda, and Zach Plesek. But you, Ryan, went with Zach Ranke. Walk us through your thought process on this one. Yeah, Granke ultimately had more innings than Griffin Canning, who I thought was a very deserving winner. Uh, Granke led all qualifiers with a 2.15 range factor per nine innings, and he also had a 1,000 fielding percentage, which I think played a major role in my choice. Uh, I understand that the sample size for Canning was a little bit smaller, and he did have a higher range factor, 
but the sample size for Granke plus the fact that he had no errors on the season pushed him over the top for me. I definitely think he should have been a finalist. Yeah, Canning did have one error. The range factor was at 2.4 and then per game, or the range factor per nine, excuse me, was at 2.4 and then per game was at 1.36. Looking at how Sabre ranked them here, it went Canning at number one with 1.4, Maeda at 1.02, Plesak third at 1.0, and then Surprisingly enough, Granke finished 7th at 0.5 with Jordan Lyles, Blake Snell, and Lance McCullers Jr. ahead of him, which is really interesting just because Granke's so athletic and has been the name of pitchers defensively in Major League Baseball for the last few years. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back on the finalist list next year just because he continues to dominate it. But it's interesting to see that he was ranked lower. Below him, Justice Sheffield, Mariner right there, happy to see that. Dylan Bundy, Jose Barrios, Ryan Yarbrough as well. Alrighty, last one we have is National League pitchers, the finalists, Max Freed, Kyle Hendricks, and Alec Mills. We didn't. Neither of us got this one right. I went with Kyle Hendricks. You went with Alec Mills. It was Max Freed who was the ultimate winner in this one here, and I think pickoffs definitely had to play a big role in this one. That was one of the uh, talking points over on ESPN when they were doing the award show. Uh, you went with Mills. Why did you go with him over Hendricks and Freed? Yeah, it ultimately for me came down to Mills and Hendricks like I know it did for you also. And I think a big part of that was we weren't looking at pickoffs, which Freed seemed to dominate in. Uh, Mills got the choice over Hendricks for me because of his range factor per nine innings. He was slightly above Hendricks in that category, and he also had uh, three defensive runs saved, which I ended up looking at there. So he led in the National League with the three defensive runs saved. I know pickoffs made a big move, and I think that probably would have impacted both of our decisions if we were to redo this. No doubt. I went with Hendricks, too. And again, for me, I didn't even consider Freed as much. Uh, it was tight with me for Hendricks and Mills. Uh, the reason I went with Hendricks more was that he had a good balance of both putouts and assists. Uh, and they were both tied with three defensive runs saved each, as you mentioned. So it was a close race. Uh, the order went Max Freed, Alec Mills, and Hendricks. Hendricks and Mills being separa- separated by just a tenth of a point. So really, really close race there. Alrighty, now let's move on to the Silver Sluggers Award. We did tie for the Gold Gloves, so coming into this one, you'd imagine we'd have a clear-cut winner in this one, but we tied once again. So let's take a look at those Silver Sluggers here in this case. Let's start out with the catchers as we did last time. Starting with the National League here, this is one of our two disagreements here for the Silver Sluggers. You chose Travis Darno, I chose Will Smith, and again, Will Smith, the sample size hurts him, and I knew that coming in. Uh, I still think he had a tremendous season, but there's no surprise to me that Darno won, and I think he's 100% uh, deserving. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, this one was close for me just because the fact that Smith dominated in his limited playing time this season. I know he dealt with a little bit of injuries, unlike Darno. So on Darno had a little bit of a advantage on him just because for me anyways, just because of the extra playing time that Darno had. He had more hits and RBIs than Smith, and that kind of became the tiebreaker a little bit for me. I did did factor in a little bit the playing time for Darno. One thing that I thought was interesting too is just uh, one, the offensive wars were very close with them. And then two, runs created. In less games, Will Smith is actually able to almost match Darno uh, with 28 compared to Darno's 32. So I thought it was close. It was just the small sample size, and Will Smith continues to make major strides. He's a big factor in the playoffs as well. Uh, discipline has been a big improvement for him too, so he'll be a guy to consider more and more as years 
go by. Catcher for the American League in this one. We both went with Salvador Perez in this one, and he would end up becoming the winner in this one. Hit 333, 633 slugging, 11 homers, 32 RBIs, a Woba of 410, WRC plus of 162. I was happy to see him get some recognition as I think he's fallen under the radar a little bit the last couple years as he was constantly in all-star games and winning awards back in the mid-2010s. Happy to see him back winning award again, and I think he was very deserving. Yeah, absolutely, and a great guy, too. Uh, he did have a little bit of injuries this season, much like Smith. Uh, he actually probably had a little less playing time than Smith, only 150 at-bats for Perez. But when he was on the field, he was just absolutely dominant. I know he had the 986 OPS, which just blew out any other catcher. I know Grandal had a decent season, but it was nothing compared to Perez, so it wasn't a tough choice for me. Alrighty, moving over to first base in the National League. This was an easy one. Freddie Freeman, an MVP candidate. 60 games, 13 homers, 53 RBIs, slash 341, 462, 640. Woba, 456, a WRC plus, just short of 200 at 187. Again, a tremendous year for him. Uh, I, I, I didn't think this one was too difficult. No, absolutely not. And for a guy that could end up eventually becoming the MVP of the National League this season, solely because of his performance at the plate. Freddie Freeman, the 11.02 OPS just absolutely blew out everybody else. Wasn't a close choice. Next, we got American League first baseman starting out, or the winner was Jose Abreu. And again, another MVP candidate in this case, and he absolutely dominated the American League, led in RBIs with 61 per game. Uh, 19 homers, WRC plus of 167, a Woba of 411, hit 317 to put the cherry on top as well. Uh, you went with Abreu in this one too. He would obviously be victorious. Uh, do you have anything to add? Nothing much except for the fact that Abreu could end up becoming the MVP in the American League also in addition to this. So, yep, just like the National League choice, easy choice at first base. All right, National League second base. We got some controversy here on this one. I'll let you explain everything just so uh, you could fill everyone in. All right, so basically to sum it up here, and I won't put the blame on Max, (laughs) I ended up looking at – I'll put the blame a little bit on Max, but I'll explain here. I was looking through the leaders in the National League in several categories at second base, and I ended up making my choice as Donovan Solano, who ended up winning the award. However, when Max put out the templates with our choices on social media, which is kind of our official ballot of sorts, he switched my choice to Robinson Cano, who, once he put it out, I went to look at the stats and realized that I actually overlooked Cano because he hadn't qualified and I ended up just letting him keep it just because I probably would have ended up putting Cano anyways once I saw his stats. However, it was Solano who ended up winning the award, so I couldn't be too upset because I'll, in fairness to Max, he did offer to switch it back, but just know that Solano was my initial choice. <laughs> and I considered Solano too, and what a story for him is he's been, you know, just a replacement better, or a replacement player at most for you know, ever since 2012 when he entered the league. And again, very close. You know, off the bat, it looks like Robinson Cano dominated in extra base categories, but they both had the same amount of extra base hits. Cano did slug 544 compared to Solano's uh, 463. So you could have gone either way. Again, Solano uh, did have about 19 extra at-bats. Another big key for me looking at the both of them was Cano had a WOBA of 376 compared to Solano's 350. Seven and in a WRC plus of 141 compared to Solano's 127. I would have loved to see Robbie pick one up, especially you know since I think he's also falling under the radar the last couple of years. But great to see a guy like Donovan Solano 
pick one up in this case. All right, let's move to the American League now. Second base here, we got another D, or another MVP candidate, and it was DJ LeMahieu who was the winner. We both chose him. 10 homers, 27 RBIs, hit 364, WRC plus of 177. Walk me through what else helped you make this choice. Uh, I'll walk you through through it by explaining the fact that this was not even close. I know Brandon Lau uh, had a good season as well, so I'll mention him uh, just to give him a little bit of credit. But LeMahieu is the only second baseman in all of baseball with an OPS over a thousand, um, with with enough at bats to qualify. And uh, yeah, it wasn't a close choice. All right, shortstop National League. We both went with Trey Turner, but it was Fernando Tatis who would come out over the top. And again, I'm not angry about this one at all. I think Tatis had a tremendous year. But what I liked about Trey Turner was, one, no one was talking about him. And two, he was able to stay consistent to the majority of the season versus Tatis had a little bit of a lapse uh, about, I think it was September-ish. But looking at Turner's numbers, just to put them out there 12 homers 41 rbis from a guy who typically hasn't shown too much power uh 335 394 588 slash line a woba of 413 wrc plus of 157 but it was fernando tatis who came out on top even though he didn't win the gold glove he redeemed himself with the silver slugger yeah i know you weren't too upset about the choice but i gotta admit i was a little bit peeved here just because trey turner pretty much dominated tatis in all categories Besides home runs, Tatis had four more home, or excuse me, five more home runs. He ended up with 17 to Turner's 12. But Turner hit 335, led the National League in hits, stole 12 bases, pretty much did everything around well, and he pretty much dominated in all the other offensive categories. So this one kind of confused me a little bit. I don't know what the determining factor was in them choosing Tatis over Turner, but. Uh, give Tatis credit, he did have a great offensive season. And again, I I don't know this for sure, but I would just have to imagine the only separation between the two just has to be that Fernando Tatis was a huge story opening up the season, was the MVP candidate through the first half of the year, and then did fall off the table as he really did have a couple of weeks where he really did struggle. So it is a shame that Trey Turner couldn't get the recognition that he deserved. But let's quickly move over to the American League again with shortstop Tim Anderson, who won. We both chose him. Again, another tremendous year for Mr. Anderson. 10 homers, 21 RBIs, a wobble of 376, slugged 529 as well. He basically does everything, which is so fun, especially to see from a shortstop. Uh, and I was happy to see him win this award, and we both got it right. Yeah, actually, Xander Bogarts was pretty close for me in the American League shortstop category. He did have more at-bats and stayed on the field a little bit more than Anderson this season. But ultimately, Anderson's 322 average and the fact that he beat out Bogarts in the OPS category by about 20-ish points pushed him over the top for me. All right, third base now in the National League went to Manny Machado. Uh, 16 homers, 47 RBIs, 304, 375, 80 slash line, Woba of 391, WRC plus of 148 here. So that left side of the diamond for the Padres, bringing home some silver over to San Diego. We both chose Machado in this one, and we both got it correct. Yep, not a tough choice. There really was no close runner-up candidate at this position. Machado had a great bounce back season. Give him a ton of credit. He was one of the main reasons why the Padres made the postseason for the first time in a long time. All righty, outfielders now. Let's start off with the National League. 
we had a couple disagreements in the American League, but the National League, we had the same ones, and we both got two of three. At Juan Soto, Mike Yastrzemski, Ronald Acuna Jr., which was interesting. It was Mookie Betts who would win over Mike Yastrzemski, and this one was close. And again, I... I picked Yastrzemski just because I thought the averages were a bit better than Betts, but again, I think name value does play a role in this one. And not to take anything away from Betts because he was absolutely tremendous this year, an MVP candidate, but I was a little disappointed to see Yastrzemski not get some recognition in this case. Yeah, I think a big factor was the fact that Betts pretty much did everything at a really high level. I know he didn't strike out as much as Yastrzemski, uh, even though he had more at bats. Uh, he scored a lot of runs. Was really, really productive. A huge productive part in a really productive Dodgers offense. I think Yastrzemski again. The OPS I use because it obviously combines the on-base and slugging, and and kind of shows the complete offense of a player. I know there's some more advanced stats, but when you look at it here, Yastrzemski had a 986 OPS to Betts' 928. So, I mean, that's like 40 points higher. It really separated Yastrzemski for me. But I think if you're a voter, you got to look at more uh, in depth. And I, I got to imagine that just the fact that Betts was kind of the pl- complete package pushed him to the top for a lot of voters. Yep. And then the other two winners, Juan Soto and Acuna, just to give Soto some recognition, a tremendous year for him in which it started out with him having a positive COVID test, had to miss the first week and a half or so of the season, ended up with 13 homers, 37 RBIs, hit 351, uh, slugged 695. So tremendous year from him. And then Acuna, while again getting off to a slow start, and ended up hitting just 250. The power numbers were there. The on-base numbers were there. Very deserving. All right, let's move to the American League outfield here. For me, I had Mike Trout, Teoscar Hernandez, and Eloy Jimenez. You switched Eloy Jimenez out for George Springer. Uh, it would be Jimenez who won this one in this case. Tell me why you went with Springer over Jimenez. Uh, the tiebreaker for me between these two, and it was really close, I will say, was the fact that Springer's on base was a bit higher than Eloy. I was kind of just nitpicking a little bit at this point. And uh, he scored more runs than Eloy. They both did what they had to do in their spots of the order, which made it so difficult to push one over the other. Again, Springer got on base at the top of the order and scored more runs, and Eloy drove in more runs from his spot four or five in the White Sox order. So they were both really productive bats. Both did what they needed to do to be productive members of their respective offenses. But I think Springer, uh, the tiebreaker for me, was the on-base. Yeah, this was tough, and I went back and forth with both, and I almost actually did go back to Springer, or I almost did change to Springer, but I eventually went back to Jimenez, and this is difficult for me. So Springer had a .27 on the on-base percentage over Jimenez, also had .08 on the OPS, so basically you could consider the OPS being the same. And then Jimenez had .19 on the slugging, uh, six extra base hits, 17 extra total bases. Now, I was thinking, let's add those walks in for total bases for Springer as well, because that's what he dominated in over Jimenez. And if you add that still, Jimenez would still have five extra total bases in that case. So that's why I did go with him at the end of the day. I think you could have chose both, but happy to see Jimenez get some recognition as well. Those were the outfielders there. Again, once again, Mike Trout, Teoscar Hernandez, and Eloy Jimenez. Now let's go over to the DHs in both leagues for the first time. The National League has a designated hitter Silver Slugger Award instead of a pitcher, and it was who other than Marcelo Ozuna who again put up an MVP quality type year. He wasn't in the he hasn't finished in the top three, but 
put up tremendous numbers right next to Freddie Freeman in that Braves lineup. Slash 338, 431, 636, Woba of 444, WRC Plus of 179. A tremendous year for him. I know you chose him as well. I think he was definitely the runaway guy with this one. Yep, not close here. And the uh, 1,067 OPS speaks for itself. It'll be interesting to see if Ozuna remains in the National League, and I think the DH decision is going to make a be a massive factor in that. No doubt. And then for the American League, we both chose Nelson Cruz. He would win. Why'd you go with Nelly in this one? I think when you look at it, Cruz's stats, and, and he's been a huge factor at DH for the Twins over the past two seasons. Uh, the 992 OPS at the designated hitter position, he's just been a force at the plate in the American League over the past decade, you really could say. Um, just a consistent run producer, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up next season. No doubt. Nelly, tremendous year. Uh, one of the best of the last four or five years. He gets better with age, and I'm excited to see what he could produce for the next couple of years for what other, whatever team he plays for. And again, as you mentioned, if the National League keeps the DH, that opens up 15 extra teams he could play for. So that could play a monumental role. Yep, no doubt about that, Max. And for everyone looking forward to the awards coming up this week, keep an eye on the Matanzerous Instagram page. Max and I will be putting up our predictions for the Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, Manager of the Year, and MVP as well. All right, for Max Tanzer, I'm Ryan Medeiros. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and I hope you have a great rest of your week.